Thank you, Sheila, and uh, welcome to everyone. Good morning, uh, good, good afternoon, and good evening. I know we have people joining in from New Zealand and the South Pacific as well, so that's wonderful. Um, my name is Jen Parsons. I'm the Alumni Engagement Manager here in Perth at the University of Western Australia. And when tasked with coming up with content for tertiary, it dawned on me that we, we could get together some pretty amazing folks from both Australia and also Canada, where I'm from. And uh, when asked to, to piece together something in, in light of all of our lockdown scenarios and all the growing pains we've had to deal with around digital, it dawned on me that we needed to bring Fred Lee to the table today and also my colleague Jaden. Now I've worked with both these guys before, so I, I do expect there'll be some interesting conversation. Um, Fred is the Director of Alumni Engagement at UBC, so the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Um, it's coming up in August, it's summertime, so thank you for giving up your Thursday evening with us. And I've got my colleague Jaden. Jaden is the Virtual Engagement Officer here at UWA. Uh, as you can see, he's not a virtual being, he is a real person. So we have. We have a role here, it's the virtual engagement officer, so I'm so excited to bring these guys together. What I thought we'd do, um, actually I should mention the backdrop here, these are real people from a few years ago, so obviously on campus this year we didn't do a full graduation, but I just wanted to remind people that, that we are doing this for a reason and there's lots of people involved and, and they do exist. So digital space is our new normal, as they say. Um, I just wanted to get you guys to introduce yourselves uh, maybe a bit about your professional background and something relevant um, to your context that you're going to be bringing to the discussion. So Fred, we'll start with you. Uh, thanks, Jen. Thanks, Sheila. I really appreciate the invitation. It's always good to see a, a good friend and uh, happy to be here with everyone uh, today. Uh, my name is Fred Lee. I am a proud UBC grad. I am the Director of Alumni Engagement at UBC. Uh, I am um, entering my 18th year at the university and the last 14 in alumni relations. I oversee the alumni and student engagement programs uh, on both campuses. UBC has uh, two campuses, one in Vancouver and one in the Okanagan. We have uh, over 350,000 alumni residing in over 140 countries. And uh, of course, our job, like everyone on this uh, webinar, is to do our best to engage our alumni. Uh, it's ironic that we're talking about uh, this topic uh, today because I am the very first to admit, and my husband and my friends would share, I am the least bit tech savvy. Yet here we are, six months into a pandemic, and we have all gone digital, and um, we have all gone virtual, and we all profess to be a bit of a digital expert. Uh, I am the first I, to admit I am not, but I am really thankful that we do have a team of dedicated staff who have been able to quickly pivot and through our resourcefulness and our diligence, um, we've been able to deliver some amazing programs to our alumni. Yeah. And uh, currently, and as I shared with Jaden and Jen, uh, we are ahead of our engagement goal for the year. 
In fact, we are more than 50% to our goal. Our numbers have never been higher on the engagement side as well as the fundraising side. So I look forward to sharing with everyone some of the efforts that our, our team has, um, uh, some of the work that our team has been doing and uh, hopefully you can take some nuggets from today's uh, conversation. That's great, Fred. Uh, just before we pass over to Jaden, just in terms of the number of team members, I know that uh, uh, people on the call today are from schools and they might be one person in a team of one person. So uh, just to give a bit of context, a lot of our relevance today uh, needs to be applied, of course, to all these smaller teams. So, uh, so I work with a team. So first of all, alumni engagement is part of the development of alumni engagement portfolio better known as DAE. Uh, we have more than 350 staff members. Um, with regards to alumni engagement, we have some 50 plus uh, full-time staff. I work in the central office um, uh, over, with oversight over our marquee programs uh, as well. Our central office supports our 13 faculties and schools. And uh, within those schools, uh, the shops can be very small with one individual, or they could be much larger, as is the case with our Sauter School of Business and our Faculty of Arts. Right. Thank you. I know sometimes context is key, and I think absolutely the, the um, I think the message that I always try to say is that you can adapt it for whatever for whatever purpose. This, the tools of the trade. Are adaptable. So Jaden, what about you? How about here in Australia? Give us your background, a bit of your professional background, uh, and then maybe the context of where you work. Thanks Jen. Uh, welcome everybody. I guess I'd start by saying my professional background is actually in graphic design and advertising and I spent about 10 years working in that before coming to UWA at the very tail end of 2013 to help out with the delivery of our New Century campaign. We did a big inaugural fundraising campaign to, um, with an ambitious goal to celebrate UWA's 100th anniversary. Um, and then once I started, it was only a three-month contract in a senior project officer role to, to deliver that. I, uh, I just haven't left. And I've gone through a few different roles. And in 2017, I joined the alumni relations team with Jen, which is in our development and alumni relations department. And it's been, it's been an interesting learning curve since then. Obviously, the world of advancement is different in the world of advertising. You kind of see the world a bit differently, but I think a lot of the insight, particularly behind communication strategy, creative strategy, have come really in handy in my role with Jen as the virtual engagement officer. Um, I will say a little bit about the difference in size our development uh, and alumni relations department is about 34 people currently, and not all those full-time, there's some part-time, but the alumni relations team for the whole university is five people, including Jen and myself. Um, I don't know if that makes too big a difference. Um, our graduate body is 132,000 living graduates, so there's a significant difference between what Fred's dealing with and us, but I think the problems we're addressing are the same. I think the thinking behind the things we're delivering are the same. It's just the need for more resourcing to deliver certain aspects of it or whatever. So if the thinking's good and the strategy's good, then the delivery can 
can adapt to any any size team, I believe. That's great, Jaden. Thanks. I think uh, you you brought up um, a couple of words, which I'm going to bring back to you, Fred. There's change and flexibility have been some very key words and adaptability. So what changed this year for you and your team and how did you change yourselves? Great question. Uh, I think one of the things that I want to share and I've shared with you, uh, Jen and Jaden, is the fact that uh, we, as part of our current strategic plan, Connecting Forward, uh, digital engagement was uh, one of the priorities. Uh, we were already moving towards a digital first engagement strategy. And with the, uh, the arrival of COVID, it really accelerated our efforts. Uh, we had already created and just launched um, late last year uh, an alumni UBC app. We were already delivering programs such as webinars and podcasts. But still, our digital efforts um, really only accounted for about 20% of our engagement programs. Most were still being delivered uh, in person, whether locally, regionally, or internationally. So obviously, when COVID arrived, what really changed was first, um, we realized we could not move forward with all the in-person events. We had, um, we immediately, um, Everyone started working from home uh, as of March 16th. And thankfully, because we had already got a sense from our alumni in Asia, what was coming down the pipeline, we have an office in Asia, uh, we were, I, I felt a little more prepared in moving towards uh, working from home, having in, to ensure all of our staff had the resources, the laptops, the programs, the access to all their files, all of that, we had a, a bit of a head start. So as of March 16th, we were able to move forward. Even having um, uh, everyone working from home, we and with the lockdown pending, we immediately did an audit um, to the end of June. And within that period, we realized that we had in the books some 60 programs that were to be executed. Of those 60, 20% were digital, all the rest were in-person. So obviously those in-person activities were um, postponed. And then we really looked at how we can move some of those activities online. So as much as I, I'm sure this word is used, has been used so often, we pivoted like everybody else. Um, and then we quickly realized what were, did an audit, what were those pl platforms that were available to us that we could continue to deliver our, our programs digitally. So we realized webinars uh, was a, a great platform, podcasts was another great pa uh, platform, uh, social media videos, uh, uh, social media in general was another platform. The irony, of all of this was we were in the process of posting three full-time positions uh, for our marketing and communications department on the digital side. Unfortunately, with the lockdown was a hiring freeze and we were not able to hire these folks. So it really meant that we also had to look at our staff and see who had the expertise 
to be able to support these platforms and who also needed to learn these platforms uh, so that we could uh, further support uh, the digital engagement strategy. Thank you, Fred. I think, um, like yourself, the idea of even creating a Zoom meeting in January for me was so foreign. Um, but let's talk to Jaden for a bit. You've had your title virtual engagement for a few for a few years. What about what about us here at UWA? And are we digital experts? Let's just get to the crux of the of the question. Are we digital experts? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think I'll address the first part first. Um, I feel like we were actually in a really good position. You know, we obviously hadn't planned for a pandemic, but because I'd been in this role and had been going back and forth and trying to elbow my way to make a bit of space for some digital strategy uh, for UWA in the role, I kind of had a, a pretty well thought out, decently planned digital engagement strategy uh, written up, people had bought into it. We hadn't actioned a lot of it. And what we had actioned, you know, we already had a podcast. We already were putting in place our network ambassadors, which is kind of um, a pseudo online mentoring, reaching out kind of platform that we just built ourselves. These kind of things that we were working on and starting to deliver and almost treating for either, so with the podcast, we were only really worried about the people we were interviewing. So it was a very high level engagement activity. We weren't thinking about broad reach and reaching thousands and thousands of people and tracking them all. Or the ambassador's thing it was kind of a case study to see if we could then invest some budget into getting a bigger platform or whatnot. These sort of kind of ongoing things we were doing in the digital space, somewhat on the fringes of our other bigger engagement work and supporting things that all of a sudden when the pandemic hit, they became the central things that we were delivering, which was great. Our team is small, so like I said, I think we were pretty lucky. We had a strategy to adapt to, a program that was already running, and we could easily kind of, to steal Fred's word and everybody else's word, pivot, train up the other three officers, Jen even learned some stuff, and start delivering <laughs> webinars that we can, didn't have to, we postponed a couple of events and we just quickly turned the other ones into webinars. You know, the topics were okay. We quickly reached out to a lot of grads who were health experts for fitness and working from home advice and did 22 podcast episodes in Q2, which is way too many, but it was a good way for us to reach out and continue this kind of thing. So as far as our team, we were in a really good position and it worked okay. What it did do was those things that we had been developing in, for the digital program in the fringes, some of the deficiencies that are kind of innate in online delivery were kind of exposed. One is, you know, with podcasts that Fred mentioned and, and I've mentioned that we have our one, there's no real way to track to the constituent level who's listening to your podcast. So we're, spent, we're investing this time to interview people, but we're really just tracking the engagement with the person that we're interviewing, which prior to the pandemic was great, but when the podcast is replacing your events and other things you're doing, which you're getting hundreds of people, all of a sudden you're going to see a bit of a dip. So, you know, We've come up with some different ways of doing things and whatnot. Webinars are great because, you know, everyone registers and you can see who that is. Um, as far as are we all digital experts, I think um, it was interesting when I first saw the topic because my first, my first reaction was, well, of course we are. 
Um, everybody's doing their online banking. They've got a smartphone in their pocket. They're using social media, um, you know, streaming Netflix. We're all experts on using digital for personal use. My gran catches up with the family through WhatsApp. She has a Facebook account. Not a big Facebook. She calls it Face Ache, so she's not a big fan of it. But, um, and does it all on her smartphone. So, you know, everybody, as far as it goes for personal use, is a digital expert, I believe. But I think the real question here is how do we utilise that digital expertise or our comfort with the digital world now that everyone has for our advancement purposes? How do we measure it? How do we track it? What do we put in place to really make it of value for us rather than just uh, exact substitute or a alternate delivery that's not quite what we want, it's just the only way we can do it. There are really good strengths and benefits to doing it this way. And, you know, we all need to become experts on, on making sure that we're delivering it in that way. That's great. That answer your question? It did. It's about the value. It's about making sure that the advancement uh, activity itself on the digital space is tracked so that we can show the value of our work. Um, just to just to basically chime in, I think uh, I think every draft digital plan on the planet was activated in less than seven days. Um, Fred, I, the original question was around game changers, but I think Jaden has actually opened the door for some practical discussion around metrics. Um, are there any game changers at UBC that you're doing now about that with regards to measuring success here? So, um, as you know, Jen, we at the University of British Columbia for the, the past 10 years, as part of the DAE portfolio, we have uh, dual goals annually. We have a fundraising goal and we have an alumni engagement goal. Our fundraising goal is currently $210 million annually. Our current engagement goal is um, 80, roughly 80,000. And um, as mentioned, we're on both fronts, we're well ahead of where we were uh, this time last year. Uh, while when we did sort of take stock of what was available to us, obviously we were very mindful that we had to look at platforms where we could count the engagement. That was a priority for us. So obviously uh, webinars uh, was the initial platform that we uh, really put a lot of our focus and attention very early on during this sort of pandemic lockdown. And that most of the programs that we were going to be delivering would be on a webinar platform so that we can find out who's registered uh, for the webinar and then who's attended. Uh, in the first um, few weeks when we were in this lockdown, we developed a COVID webinar series. So you'll just uh, remember we put the 60 um, activities on hold. Many of them perhaps weren't relevant now given the state of the, the world and where we were at. So then we decided, well, let's obviously um, create um, some webinars to inform our alumni of this pandemic, of all the related issues around COVID. And so we, and to highlight our academics and our researchers. And so we developed a COVID webinar series. Um, we also realized that uh, a lot of people were losing their jobs. A lot of people were worried about their jobs. Um, we enhanced our career offerings. So uh, much of it was COVID related, but we offered a lot more uh, career uh, webinars. 
to uh, you know young alumni as well as uh, those that were all of a sudden in an unusual unusual position of perhaps not having employment. Uh, we also noticed that there, you know, not everything needed to be heavy. We noticed that there was also a huge interest in cooking and baking. So for our social media platforms, we enlisted our alumni to share their, their favorite cooking um, or baking recipes. And we hosted a lot of town halls with our deans on Zoom. Um, and finally, we worked with our development colleagues and senior leadership and created the UBC President's Pandemic Recovery Initiative. And that was a fundraising campaign to provide um, relief for students and to accelerate um, research. So uh, very early on, we really honed in on the platforms that we were going to use, knowing that we still had to reach our engagement and fundraising goals, and then really focused in on uh, the type of offerings we would provide to our alumni during those first three months. Uh, now that we're six months in, uh, a lot of those programs that were postponed, we moved on to these digital platforms. So, um, you know, we hosted a virtual graduation ceremony. Uh, we have host, we will be hosting a virtual homecoming in a few weeks. Uh, now we're finding a lot of opportunities to put a lot of those programs that were postponed uh, onto this digital platform. And uh, frankly, it's uh, it has been a game changer in terms of the the reach we're reaching a wider audience a global audience a lot of our web webinars are posted on our website so you can have a look at them and if people want access they can just um they they can readily do so they have access to our podcasts um and uh it has literally been a game changer why it's been um eye-opening for many of our colleagues to just see the reach that um, this digital, these digital platforms provide. Thank you, Fred. So just, I know we had a question from Tanya come through on the chat. She asked us to quickly clarify, and then I'll go on to Jaden, and we'll talk, we'll pick up that strategy chat uh, that you started opening up for us there. Um, the 80,000 metric you mentioned, I think that's touched, was that volunteering engagement? What does the 80,000 refer to? Yeah, so the 80,000 is um, individual alumni that engage with us during the year. Um, and that can run the gamut. I mean, that literally can be um, attending a webinar, uh, uh, putting your hand up to be a volunteer, a mentor. So we have um, uh, many ways that you can engage with us where we would um, uh, count you as an engaged alumni. So if Tanya or Jen did multiple things in a year, you'd only be counted once, but um, our job is, to, uh, you know, annually is to hit those engagement marks. And as much as I get excited about the 80,000 we're gonna engage, and Jen has heard this before, I'm always thinking about the 270,000 that we have yet, we still have yet to engage in the year. But um, yeah, that's, I know that in some cases, I think a lot of this could be a whole other session. Um, I know from uh, moving over to Australia, the metrics and the way and the robustness of how we're actually 
measuring the value of our work has evolved. So um, we'll have to invite you back, Fred, for another one. Uh, although moving along back to you, Jaden, I, I heard strategy, I heard change, I've heard things around how activities are influencing um, the understanding, if you will, of the value of our work, which I think is very exciting as a profession. Um, I know Fred, you're, our, well, actually our new Vice Chancellor, Fred, is one of UBC's grads, uh, and he's not going to be traveling very often at all anymore, obviously, for other for very various reasons, of course he can't at the moment, um, but student recruitment is changing, international students, how we engage our, how we engage our current students, uh, domestic students, what are we doing with industry partners, um, and Jaden, just if you could comment about strategic outcomes of our work uh, that have possibly been realized out of our new way of working digitally. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned student recruitment as well. One of the things I noticed um, when all this kicked off is that all the people in the central marketing teams and faculty marketing teams, all of a sudden, this offering that was part of our digital platform to recruit grads uh, have them volunteer to feature in marketing materials or to speak on behalf of UWA and a social media post or in some other kind of platform that we had kind of been promoting. Oh, we've got these grads that can do this. All of a sudden, there was this huge uptick. You know, every marketing piece almost wanted a grad in it. They all of a sudden thought, oh, well, we're not having these events. We're not having these reps go out and meet with students anymore. We can, it was almost the realisation that you have these advocates who can speak on your behalf and the value of it and now that there's this digital way of doing it all of a sudden we just saw uh a, it was almost like a light switch on that side of things that you know and then it's our job to kind of shield the grads from being treated as a resource of course but as far as student recruitment i think it really did remove this perceived barrier between the alumni and the students and how they can really come together to benefit, uh, recruitment at least. Um, as far as the strategic outcomes, it's, it's really interesting because UWA, the whole time I've been here, probably for its whole 100 year plus history, um, has been very slow to change, very resistant to do anything outside of the limestone, prestigious university kind of footing. We've had no online learning or external learning delivery at all. Um, apart from in very rare circumstances with in particular with particular students who can't come to campus, you know, was very much wanting everybody to come to our campus. It's beautiful. We want to celebrate it. It's seen as a strength of our recruitment. Um, come to lectures, be in tutorials, everything in person, just like it would have been 30, 40, however many decades ago. And then the pandemic hit. Two weeks later, everything was online. All the students were learning online we were all working from home um, and you know once that's once that's happened you can't kind of turn it off then people have seen the benefit you can see the bits and pieces and it was almost like the people that were so resistant to the change all of a sudden were the, the biggest champions they're like oh this is so great look at all the stuff we can do we can you know catch up at different times or deliver things in different ways and all of a sudden I've got all my students talking to me instead of just you know the ones that can make it on that day. So it was, it was really interesting to see how, <laughs> it's a funny way to say it, but how valuable the force to change was. We never would have changed unless it was forced upon us and now it's been really beneficial. Um, 
obviously that comes with some learning curves. We had, uh, Fred was talking about the different kinds of delivery, different events being delivered in different ways. We, like everybody else, who probably had, have had a round of graduations in this period, we, ours was virtual. But when Jen and I were first invited to the meeting, what was being proposed by these new champions of, of doing things digitally was basically an exact substitution for the graduation ceremony, but just live streamed. So you would have, you know, an empty, we have, uh, you know, our most iconic building on campus, Winthrop Hall, it's a big old grand kind of hall where we have our graduations. There would be video filming as though it was exactly like a graduation of an empty hall, them reading name after name, but no one crossing the stage to shake hands with the chancellor. It would go for the same amount of time. So it would just be like a really weird, dreary, funereal kind of, it, the exact opposite of what it should have been. So, Jen, so our advice was, <laughs> don't, don't, don't pretend that they're actually having a graduation here. What we want to do is we want to acknowledge the situation they're in, that it's not how, we, it's not how they wanted to celebrate their graduation, it's not how we wanted to celebrate it with them, but we need to just be front and centre, open about it, and just create a video with messages from you know, senior academics, the executive of the university, we had the Premier of the State on there, the warden of our convocation, we had lots of grads giving messages just straight to it, addressing it straight away, celebrating with them, saying, and then the overarching message was, when we're able, we'd love to have you come back, you can let us know which ceremony you're coming, you can go through the process and whatnot. We eventually got there with the video and it was really great and everyone liked it, it was a good success, but it was just another interesting example of the first instinct was, oh, well, we can just do the same thing online without the thought behind, well, is there a different way to do it? Is there a new opportunity to do it? Um, is there a value we've overlooked with using this platform in, a, in an alternative way rather than just a substitute way? Which I think was interesting. Obviously, similarly, we could, um, little things like podcasts and webinars and stuff, we can be a lot more specific with who, with a prospect or, I'm trying to bring in stewardship and advice again, prospects <laughs> and, uh, philanthropically funded things, you can kind of all of a sudden surface those in ways where we probably couldn't have given it much weight in the past because of the budget reasons or whatnot. So they're the things that stick out to me. Thanks, Jaden. I'd say just to finish up there, I think that answers also the question, what make, is, are we digital experts? Because for most of us who are in advancement, a lot of this is around education of our colleagues and then having them understand how we can engage people meaningfully. And I'd say for us, understanding the tool now and how to use it. So those of us who are working in schools, you might be one person, but if you're working with your principal and you're understanding the, the application of, of understanding that he or she's not just going to be walking across the stage uh, and you're not just, just delivering the same content you ordinarily would. So that's what makes you the expert when you go back to your school or your university and you can actually take from what uh, these guys are sharing and uh, applying it. So the expert is understanding the tool and how it can work for you in your meeting engagement plan. So that's wonderful. I noticed we're half an hour in. We did promise that there'd be time for Q&A, although I'm seeing very few Q&A chats. So my hope is that there are questions and if you haven't already done so, what I'd love it is if people could flood the chat feed here and just ask those questions. I know Sheila's gonna pop back on, um, but before we do that, I thought we'd sum up 
maybe Fred, um, before we go to the Q&A, we've got another 30 minutes for that. Uh, there are leaders listening today and probably looking for some final insights. Um, what would you leave them with? And then we'll go to you, Jaden. Yeah, I, just to pick up on you, both your last points, I mean, I think it's very important that, you know, we are in a field where uh, I, I, I'd say we're a bit reluctant to change. We kind of have this model that we always feel is our comfort level or within our box. And uh, with the pandemic, it really, you know, changed our industry. Um, and I think for the better. And uh, it was interesting to see how everyone was willing to adopt because they had to. And uh, I think, you know, people have asked, well, will we ever go back? And I'm saying, yes, there will definitely be in-person activities, but we, you would have to build a strong case of why you would want an in-person uh, event versus presenting something on a digital platform. And uh, for us, you know, community building is very important. So obviously, um, if it is intended to build community, we would probably host an uh, in-person event for things such as graduation, homecoming, and other uh, programs. But you would really now, moving as we move forward, have to make a case as to why you would want to have an in-person event. We definitely won't have um, as much as we had planned prior to um, COVID. And uh, one of the things that we did very early on, knowing that there weren't any in-person events, was there was a, a, a group, a department, our events team, that obviously we're not going to be executing events, booking venues, food and beverage, doing all of that. Uh, we consciously, because there are some 50 plus staff members, many of us not knowing how to operate a podcast, operate a webinar, use GoToWebinar, use Zoom, um, this group literally raised their hand and said, we will be the first group to retrain and then we will be the ones that will then train after we've been trained train our colleagues on these platforms so literally our events team have re um reimagined themselves and now they, they support all of our webinars our podcasts as they have been now the the ones in those first eight weeks were the ones that really stepped up when we realized we only had a couple of people that knew how to run a podcast, know how to uh, run a webinar, even knew about the Zoom platform. And so it's been wonderful to see how so many of our colleagues have, um, have learned new things. And, uh, well, and when they did, our next step was then teaching our colleagues in the faculties in the schools, the 13 individuals in the faculties and schools. So that if they want to run their own webinar, they can do it. If they want to run their own Zoom um, chat, reunion over Zoom, it's been amazing. So now, even in a one-person shop, they're engaging more people and offering more programs on these digital platforms. And they now have the confidence to do that, which is truly amazing. So. Uh, it's been wonderful to see, and that's uh, that definitely has been a game changer as well. 
That's great, Fred. We actually I'm noticing now the questions after that little uh, plug there are just flooding in here. So, Jaden, I know you, we've asked you your, for your final insight, but this is actually a question targeted to you. So I thought we could combine them both and we'll get to your insight around. Uh, uh, someone's asked, could you elaborate on the meaning and role of a network ambassador? So the insight and maybe elaborate a bit more there. Yeah. So when we talk about our network ambassadors or our alumni ambassadors for our, for our networks, we have areas where I guess they're priority regions for us. UWA has a lot of grads who live in Singapore, in Malaysia, Hong Kong, the UK, these kind of areas. So we've set up a network in that area. And really what that is, it's, it's just a way where we surface the people who are living in that region so that they can organically meet up and whatnot. We have leaders in those networks, an unofficial role that are called the ambassadors. When I mentioned it earlier, the ambassadors that we have, they are online, you can find this on our website and you can see who they are, their job title and whatnot on the webpage. You can click a button to connect with them. You can ask a question, um, you know, any assistance if you're moving, we promote it. If you're moving back home after studying here as an international student, or if you're moving to a region for work, obviously during the pandemic, that's less likely to happen. But the ambassadors are there to represent the graduates and it's really effectively an informal mentoring role. So if you think of the kind of role at a career cafe, you recruit people to come along and speak to grads, answer a few questions, offer some advice. It's really that, but in a geographic position represented by these networks we have. Um, it's interesting, it also ties into what Fred was saying about we are working with our network ambassadors now to put on podcasts specifically for the people yes. in those regions and empowering them to have a leadership role in doing it. So that frees us up from having to take on all the, you know, from spending the time to do it because they're assisting us in a volunteer capacity to do it. It also helps because all the attendees or the people that get the invite see the ambassadors, understand there are these people near them they can reach out to for advice. Hopefully that has answered the question. I'm actually so excited by all these questions. I wish we had more than 20 minutes to go. Um, Fred, you did mention you did a, I'll just go, I was going to, I'm actually going to piece together three questions here in one. So <laughs> bear with me. Good luck, Fred. You did mention a homecoming, uh, a virtual homecoming in, in Australia. Yes. We have, we don't do as many homecoming sort of events like that here, but we do a lot of reunions or anniversary events. So we have questions coming in around specifics around, have you done a virtual reunion, a virtual uh, cross country or virtual sca scavenger hunt? Um, looking for different ways um, rather than just watching or listening a presentation. Have you done yeah. Sorry. Have you done something like that? And if you could explain, that'd be great. <laughs> so that is, so Arbor Homecoming is next month and there are some activities that are virtual that really are a little more um, engaging where we're not just here uh, watching or listening. Uh, we have um, uh, a virtual scavenger hunt is something that someone has brought up. Uh, so there are various activities that we are looking at for sure. Um, just to touch upon what uh, Jaden was saying, uh, that is our next phase. We haven't forgotten about our alumni volunteers, especially 
the, the, the volunteer groups in all the various regions and networks. Um, and we're now at a point where we're encouraging them to create that content digitally as well. So we are doing things by phases, and I think that was a great point to point out. Um, the other part was that uh, I have to acknowledge and give credit to our Alumni Advisory Council. This is a council that we've had for over 10 years, and they really run the gamut from young to more mature, um, and they represent all faculties. And they were the ones that were screaming loud and clear, they thought that we, the university was so behind on their digital engagement that these individuals who were living locally and abroad, they were keeping up with their tablets, their devices, chatting with their friends on all these platforms, and they just saw institutions, universe, higher institutions, not keeping up. And it was because of their efforts them informing us that we got to get with it where's your app where's this where's that that we literally built it into our strategic plan and it's because of that that we have been you know we've been told we're a leader in this digital space which i find very ironic given that you know we're only six months really into this but we're ahead of some institutions just for the fact that we got a bit of a head start and encouragement from our alumni so i think that's important too and they're the ones that are, are really informing us of how we should be engaging with them. And so uh, listen to your alumni, listen to your volunteers. Uh, they do have a lot. And uh, we, we know in the next two, three decades, all these young students are going to be our alumni. And this is how they engage with one another. And they are learning, um, they are playing, they are viewing, they're doing everything on a digital platform. If you have kids, grandkids, um, nieces or nephews like we do, whenever we're at a dinner table, the kids are always on devices and they're on platforms and they're doing things. And that's just the way uh, they view the world. So we've got to meet them there. I think I think one thing I, I might, I, I'm moderating, but I just want to also chime in with a bit of input also for the answer to the questions around virtual reunions and events. and and hybrid events. I think just the first by just by first saying we really are in the heat of learning how to do that. Um, before I answer, Fred, are you at UBC in complete lockdown still? Or you can you do any phased events at all in person? No. Okay. So in WA now we can actually do some face to face. Obviously we have COVID restrictions. So um, I'd say I'll let you know next week <laughs> because we're about to start our first virtual uh, career cafe slash in-person one, which means we're going to be having students attending with graduates in the space uh, as well as online. And we're actually looking at ways of how we can integrate the Zoom panel discussion, turning the in-person panel into Q&A for the students dialing in from China. So what we're actually seeing here is the makings of the first hybrid, first hybrid events. And I realize that WA, we are um, in a lucky state with being able to start looking at some of that modeling early now. So um, I'd be very happy to report back uh, on how that works. Uh, there's another question around risk management. Um, I think these are excellent questions. I think these are questions that we don't actually have answers to in some cases, but maybe both either Fred or Jaden, do you want to weigh in on 
the risks of some of this? Of putting events digitally? Digitally, yeah. Yes. Um, I, it would be interesting to know a bit more about what they're concerned about with the, with the question. I think um, as far as, so uh, the risk that I see with it may not be the risk that this question is addressing, but, uh, but I'll answer it my way anyway. The risk I see is that we all get excited with digital stuff and deliver endless amounts of stuff online and fall into the trap where we, you know, the bright, shiny object trap where we're spending all our time, all our efforts on things that aren't going to meet our engagement goals, aren't going to be trackable. Social media is notoriously difficult. Engagement on social media platforms with posts, almost impossible to track to the constituent level, listens on podcasts, these kind of things. The risk is that we over commit on things that aren't giving us the return on our investment. Yeah. Um, we, when it comes to the podcast, one of the ways we're thinking of addressing that, the gap between the listeners and the activity is I'm running up a plan where we can actually effectively sell tickets or take registrations for people to see the, the interview or the conversation live before then it's edited and published as a podcast. So at least we can get a few constituents tracked for each podcast episode as it's being created, which, which could be interesting. So I see that as a risk to us uh, in our workplace, as far as a risk to the people attending or, or whatnot, I guess with situations like the ambassadors or perhaps um, putting people in contact with people online without any kind of vetting or oversight, there is a risk that just because they're a grad of your institution and we're all working for really great places, it doesn't mean you don't have creeps or other people that may be using it for their own purposes. So you always have to be diligent with how you're doing it, why you're doing it, and keeping the actual goal or the purpose of you doing it in sight rather than just doing everything and leaving it to the gods to, to, and crossing your fingers and hoping it's going to be okay. If you're putting people in contact with someone else, they may be vulnerable, they may be getting bad advice, you really do need to take on the responsibility for making sure that it is delivered in a responsible way. They're the only risks I can think of. So. It's perfect. It's bang on from for us, and since we have the, the 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 we have the skills in our team for that. What about? I mean, I think some of these uh, individuals could be concerned about them not having the skills. So a skills gap in the actual staffing, and should the, the employee an expert? Um, uh, do we leverage the expertise of our own students? I think many people have acknowledged the fact that they've got these. Smarty, smarty pants, if you will, who could probably turn this stuff around in their in between classes. So, what what are we doing, Fred? Did you think that you've got something? Yeah. To say? No, some of our so it's okay to. But I mean, like I said at the, off the top, I was I'm technically challenged. So, for me, while I access my podcast and I, I I participate in webinars, I certainly don't know the back end of it or how you know operationally how it all works. But there are folks that that do and uh as we realized when we 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 did an audit of our own staff we had a we only had a, one or two staff members that really knew how to do it and they were the ones that trained up our events team and now our events team is training up our alumni colleagues in the faculties 
while they haven't been able to get to all of them yet, many of them in those small shops do have work-learn students. And the work-learn students um, that they're, they've hired, they've really been seeking the skill set of having some digital proficiency. So in, in some of these small faculties where it's a one-person shop, it's not unusual where there is a student that is supporting their digital and communication needs, running a webinar, running a podcast, doing all of the social media um, postings and activations within those faculties and or departments. But, uh, and what we're finding is there's no shortage of those students who, who know this stuff, which is the, the great thing. And so I think there are opportunities to, um, to uh, work with students, to work with the, uh, the folks that, uh, uh, you know, within your own departments that know this technology and can support you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think the overarching message that I would share as well, just um, hanging off what Fred said, is that the, you don't need to be scared of the digital there, there's, there's two sides to it. It's, that is the way that we're delivering it, the same way that you know, some people in this watching this webinar, like myself, I'm not an event expert, but if I have an idea for an event, I can recruit the panelists, I know the purpose of it, I can come up with the topic and the questions, can't really deliver the event in person because I don't have experience. It's the same here. As long as you are on strategy, understand what you're trying to achieve and keeping that in sight, the delivery of it is the, is, is one side of the digital, but the thinking behind it is the other. And I don't think anybody on this call is incapable of thinking in, in a good way to, to address whatever problem they're, they're trying to address. So I, I wouldn't treat the digital as a barrier in any way. It is just the way to deliver what your concept is. Yeah. I, um, when we made the decision to carry on with graduation and to provide it virtually, as someone who is responsible for graduation, you know, admittedly there was a, a moment where there was a lot of panic. How the heck am I going to do this? But if you can articulate the vision, the strategy, uh, and then bring on all the right people, whether that is IT, whether that is UBC Studios, that you don't necessarily need to be the expert at everything, but if you are, uh, if you have the skill set, which I believe every alumni relations professional does, of bringing people together, connecting people, it's amazing how you can bring the right people together and exec execute a very successful uh, virtual graduation. That, it, wasn't without endless, it wasn't without endless Zoom calls and side meetings and all of it. And I probably learned a lot more than I needed to. Uh, um, but you know, it's uh, I'm very thankful for all the IT folks, the AV folks, um, ceremonies, everyone that was involved in putting together a digital program. And if you're a, and if you're a person, if you're a one-person team, there are endless companies and platforms that have been created specifically for you to try and make it easy. So you, you're not alone. You just have to do a bit of research and you'll be able to find a platform, a MailChimp equivalent for basically any kind of online delivery you can. Yeah. And you know, the university, I was surprised as well. The university didn't necessarily have all the resources to be able to execute uh, 
you know, given the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to be presenting a virtual homecoming, uh, similar to graduation, there was a possibility that there could be 10,000 or more people that will be going online. You need to have the bandwidth, the capacity, the server, all of that backend stuff to be able to accommodate that surge all at once. And so um, even the university doesn't necessarily have all the expertise. And um, there are times where you do have to shop it out. Um, but in the end, it's about take, it takes the village to put it all together and uh, you don't necessarily need to be the expert of all, but if you can be the one that at least holds the strategy and can articulate that strategy, there should be enough people that can support you that can bring the right people to the table. Thank you, Fred. I think uh, so for some of the people who are curious about some of the, we've got a question around um, our retired alumni. Uh, not being perhaps as digital savvy. I mean, I'm, I know that we've had some experience at UWA and that, and maybe Jaden, if you had something to say. Um, well, Jen, I mean, do you have a specific thing in mind? No, just are they using it? Are they, we've got people, I saw on our Facebook feed the other day that we've got grads who are um, older who are using technology. So is there anything, any pieces of advice you'd say, or should we be concerned about uh, people not using it if they're if they're retired. I think what a lot of digital engagement, particularly the strategy, needs to do is put things in place so that graduates can access our offerings on their own terms. So as long as it's not excluding people who aren't tech savvy, as long as it's easy for them to access, it should be okay. Now. A lot of our advancement team did affinity calling when the pandemic first hit to prospects who were in that age category. Um, and we have our convocation council who sends out their communications and whatnot, really for that kind of age gap as well. So we cover it with comms and calling as far as pandemic and then comms in other ways. And I think most people in that age bracket at least are on email, but it's like any engagement activity, you kind of, put these things on, try and get people to come to them. Digital is that as well, but you kind of put it on, you put it together and leave it there for people to be able to access on their own terms when they want to. Now, the retired grad 65 plus, I can see this question, 65 plus age range, there may be a bit of education involved in that, but it's probably just ongoing exposure and eventually they might try, you know, everybody, even doctors and airline pilots, they know how to do what they do because they've learned it. So there's kind of, as long as it's presented as really simple, really accessible, there's no, no drama or challenge involved in doing it. I don't think there's a barrier there at all. Yeah. Uh, don't under, underestimate your mature alumni because, and I'm seeing um, examples here on the chat. Uh, during the early weeks of the COVID lockdown, uh, our fundraisers, like everybody else, pivoted, and we're doing a lot of calls via Zoom, via FaceTime, and um, we were hearing some incredible stories of them speaking to uh, a more senior alumni, and they were just as proficient on that technology as um, you and I, or you know, the younger alumni. Um, you know, for our fundraisers, you know, they obviously cannot meet in person and you know most donors are of a more mature age and they have all adopted and you know whether it's zoom 
whether it's FaceTime, whether it's just picking up the, your, your smartphones, um, they're, they're, they're adopting as much as all of us are. I just need to um, say thank you. I think we're, we've done well. We have managed to work through our hour. I know that there's some unanswered questions which we will get to. Uh, we'll come back to you on chat, business for a reason. I love connecting people. Um, like yourselves, I was very new to technology uh, and I've surprised myself in what I was able to, to achieve. So I'd say good luck to everybody. Don't be shy, stay connected to us. All of us are eager to help. I know that Sheila's got my email as well. So if you need to connect online or you wanna have a direct question, I'm more than happy to chat with you on email. And uh, I guess that's it.